today in Lebanon, Tennessee. We know lots of people are joining us online instead of being here today because it's the first official weekend of spring break. Uh, so we have people I see already from Texas, from Florida, from California, from Kentucky joining us online. So again, let me say, as I say, each Sunday morning at the 930 service, if you're joining us online, specifically on Facebook, if you're watching us online, take the time not just to watch this service, but to share it from our Facebook page to your Facebook page. Because again, what happens is this, when you share it on your page, other people see that you're watching it and they engage with us. And then throughout the week, people will also engage as they see it on your page or on your wall, whichever they call that in this day and time. I get confused with the different social platforms. But again, if you're watching us on Facebook Live, we welcome you and we want you to have a great time wherever you're at. We are in week four of a series that we call Sabotage. This is week four. And again, uh, for those that have been here and those that have not been here, uh, we've spent the last few weeks walking through what I said was the tendencies and the patterns and the decisions that we make. Those things that, that we allow to ruin our relationships, or maybe we should more specifically say those patterns, those tendencies, those, those behaviors that actually sabotage our relationships. Now, in the very first week of this series, uh, I told you that as it relates to, to relationships and the Bible, uh, again, when you think about the Bible and what the Bible has to say about relationships, uh, most of what the Bible has to say, uh, I, I took the time to kind of sum that up in a statement. And that statement has actually been kind of the foundation for where we've been kind of camping out the last three weeks. This is week four, uh, and this series will continue on next week. But kind of the foundational thought was actually, uh, you know, we just kind of came up with this based on what we read from Scripture because this is really what Scripture says in a nutshell as it relates to relationships. Here, here's kind of the foundational statement that we made in week one of this series. We said the Bible basically says that we need to focus on becoming the right kind of person instead of actually working so hard to find the right kind of person. Again, as we think about relationships, as we think about friendships and, and, and romantic relationships, even business relationships, most of us are in pursuit of trying to find the right kind of person. But if you go to Scripture, Scripture actually focuses on you. It focuses on me. It kind of tells us what we need to focus on. And the thing that we need to focus on is we need to focus on becoming the right person. And I would encourage you this morning, if you haven't taken the time to write that down, if you didn't take the time to write that down, that's one of those little nuggets of truth that I really think you need to write in your Bible. You need to have that somewhere so that you understand that you need to focus on becoming the right person as it relates to relationships instead of worrying about trying to find the right person as most of us are doing. Again, that's a nugget of truth. And we've said that from week one. Focus on being. Focus on becoming. It's not about going out and finding the right person, but it's about you. It's about me doing everything that we can to be the right person. That's what Scripture says. But I have to be honest with you. It's not all that Scripture says. Actually, if I'm going to be honest with you this morning, I have to let you know that the Bible does have a few things that it says 
as it relates to the importance of actually finding the right people to be in relationship with. I want you to look at Proverbs 13, verse 20. And I want you to read that with me, if you will. Proverbs 13, verse 20, the writer writes in Proverbs this. The writer says, one who walks with the wise becomes wise. But whoever keeps company with fools only hurts himself. Now, we're going to leave that up there just a minute. Because even though that verse is very small, that verse in and of itself packs an amazing amount of truth. One who walks with the wise, now look at what it says, becomes wise. But whoever keeps company with a fool only hurts himself. It's amazing what that verse is saying to your life and to my life this morning. So knowing that that verse packs an unbelievable amount of truth, with that in mind, what I want to do is unpack the verse in and of itself and let you see the truth that I believe is actually contained in a very simple, very small verse. See, I, I, I think, again, as we look at that verse, that the, the writer of Proverbs, in pinning Proverbs 13, verse 20, the, the, the writer first observes that when it comes to your life and to my life, when it comes to the lives of most people, I think the writer recognizes that, that there is simply going to be just, just a very small handful of friends, a very small handful of companions that you're going to walk through life with. Now think about that. There, there, there's going to be just a few people that you're going to fully walk through life with. I mean, I mean, think about it like this. Be, beyond our, our romantic partners, our, 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 our marriage partners, beyond the people that we work with, most of us in this room, most of us listening online, most of you watching online, the, the writer of Proverbs recognizes that most people develop just a handful of close friendships. And those close friendships become increasingly valuable to us as the years go by. We have just a few friends that we're going to do life with, very few. Now let me tell you what a friend is not. A friend is not somebody who is so bored that they comment on every one of your Facebook pages, posts. A friend is not somebody who likes every picture that you post up of your child on Instagram. That's not a friend. That's not what a friend is. According to the American Sociological Review, the American Sociological Review says that the average American, now listen to this, this is surprising. The average American has only two close friends. While 25 years ago, 
the average American had six close friends. And what does that tell us? That tells us that having close friends is actually on decline in the lives of most people. I want you to see something. I want you to listen to something. 25% of Americans, that's one out of every four of us in this auditorium, one out of every four of us watching online, 25% of Americans admit that they don't even have one single close and trusted friend. Not one. Not one person that they consider close, not one person that they really trust. So I think we need to go ahead and address something. Let's just talk about social media. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat, TikTok. I mean, when we talk about social media, we understand social media is wonderful and social media can be entertaining. Social media always is a, a great way for us to network. It gives us a great networking opportunity. But again, hear what I'm about to say. Social media is not a replacement. Listen to me, Crosshaven. It is not a replacement for friendship. It is not a replacement for the deep friendship that you and I need. Because here's the thing, with social media, with social media and all the outlets that we have, we are sharing more information about our lives and ourselves than we've ever shared before. And as we share that information with people that we don't even know, at the very time we're sharing that information with the world about our life, we are more lonely right now at this point in history. We are more lonely than we've ever been. Again, there, there are lots of good reasons to use social media. And again, even here at the church, we, we try to, to, to leverage the good that social media brings to the table. We try to leverage social media for good around here. But you have to acknowledge that social media or the presence of social media is actually something that's redefining friendship. Because rather, listen, listen, rather than being concerned about intimate relationships that we can have with other people, Rather being than being concerned about having that, that close, intimate relationship that we could have with another person, we're more interested in broadcasting an image. Leading people to believe that this is the kind of person that I am. So honestly, what Proverbs is really speaking to in Proverbs 13, verse 20 what Proverbs is talking about is the people that our life actually becomes intertwined with. Well, what the writer in Proverbs is talking about, in my opinion, is your life and my life, and he's trying to address the inner circle of your relational world. 
So what Proverbs is saying really is kind of found in this quote that I found from Pastor Andy Stanley, which I'm going to tell you in and of itself could be a proverb. But what Proverbs is really saying to us is this. Look, look at the quote by Andy Stanley. He's basically saying, the writer in Proverbs is saying, your friends will determine the quality and the direction of your life. We're going to leave that up there. The people that you associate with, the people that you hang out with, the people that you were with last night, that you will be with tonight, that you will be with tomorrow, your friends are going to determine the quality and the direction of your life. Now think about that this morning because when we think about that and we look at that, that's nothing new for most of us. Most of us in this room, most of you watching online, this is nothing new for you because you, you, you recognize this. I mean, think about it. When, when you were younger, do you remember how your parents would consistently freak out as it related to the people that you were hanging out with? Can anybody, can anybody give me a witness to that? I mean, you, your parents would just freak out if you were hanging around certain people. I mean, some of your parents were so concerned about the people that you were hanging out with that they actually took you out of one school and put you in another school. Some of, your people, some of your parents got so freaked out by the people you were hanging out with that they actually pulled you out of the neighborhood and they moved the family out of the neighborhood that you had grown up in because they didn't want you being around and being influenced by certain people simply because they thought those people would lead you down the wrong path. I grew up in Nashville until I was about 11 or 12 years old. And I remember even in our neighborhood over on Cameo Drive, that's in the Thompson Lane, Murfreesboro Road area. It's a kind of a different area now than it was when I grew up there, as most places in Nashville are. But some better, some not so good. But there were several houses in our neighborhood that my parents were like, Randy, you're not allowed to go in those homes. And I was like, what, what, why, why, why can't I go in that house? I mean, why? Are you kidding me? I love it there. I love to go into their house because the, their parents are never home. We get to do whatever we want, and they have all kinds of food and drinks and games. Why would you not let me go into their home? And my mom said, that's exactly why you're not going over there. You're not going over there because your friends will determine the quality and the direction of your life. My parents knew that. My parents knew what Andy Stanley summoned up in that little quote. She knew, my dad knew, that my friends would determine the quality and the direction of my life. And as parents who have children, that the thought of what our children are going to be around or who they're going to be around, it scares us to death. And that quote by Andy Stanley, and actually what the Proverbs is, are saying it's not something that should just scare us to death as a parent. It's actually something that should scare us to death as an adult. Why should it scare us to death as an adult? It's simple. Because the principle that Andy Stanley quoted, which really comes right out of Proverbs, that principle does not just apply to teenagers. I mean, think about it. 
when I look back at my life, there were very few times that I got in trouble by myself. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? There were very few times that I got in trouble by myself. I mean, when I got in trouble, most of the time I was with somebody else. Most of the time when I really got in trouble, I was with one of my friends. Let me ask you a question this morning. They ain't going to ask this question over at Fairview, I guarantee you that. How many of you stumbled home drunk last night? Raise your hands. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I don't want you to raise your hand. I would never ask you to do that. But here's what I would say. If you stumbled home drunk last night, I bet you didn't stumble home drunk alone. Think about that. If you stumbled home drunk last week, last month, last year, one night, I bet you didn't stumble home alone. Because most of the time when we get in trouble, most of the time when we're doing something that we shouldn't do, we're doing that with other people. So let me ask you a question. And the question is really at the root of what we're going to be talking about today. The question is this, do you want to become like your friends? Do you want to become like those you're with? Do you want to become like the people that you're hanging around with? Now, again, look at the question. Do you want to become like those that you're with? Do you want a marriage like their marriage? Do you want to handle your money the way that they handle their money? Do you want your kids to turn out the way that their kids turned out? Do you want your dating life to be like their dating life? Do you want to become like those that you are with? Because the book of Proverbs actually goes into pretty good detail as it relates to the people that you, you really want to make sure that you include in your inner circle. Proverbs gives us lots of insight as it relates to the people that, that you want to let into that inner circle of your relational life. But not only does it tell us who we should let in our inner circle, Proverbs also tells us who that we need to be careful of. Who is it that we need to be careful of as it relates to being around certain kind of people? Let's get really specific with this. The idea that Proverbs kind of gives us or teaches us here is, is not that there, there are people that you need to be careful of and you just shun those people or you push those people entirely out of your life. That's, what, that's not what Proverbs is going to be saying at all. But to me, Proverbs 13, verse 20 is actually a warning. It's telling us be careful about having certain people in your inner circle. Be careful as it relates to allowing those people in the core of your life. 
Proverbs warns us. And at the same time that Proverbs is warning us, at the very same time, Proverbs is telling us, but still, even though those are people you want to be careful of, you need to be kind to them and you need to love them and you need to serve them when they get in a jam or when they get in a, in a tight spot. You need to take the time to, even though you're careful of those people, you need to take the time to point them to God because those people still matter. But Proverbs is going to show us in just a moment, you need to be careful of certain people. You need to be careful of these people. And you're wondering, okay, what kind of people are you talking about? Well, it's time for me to get specific. The writer in Proverbs tells us that we need to be careful of people who are constantly, consistently, always looking down on other people. The writer of Proverbs would say, you know what, that's not somebody you want to let in your inner circle. Be careful of people who are constantly looking down on other people. Look at Proverbs 16, verse 8. It said, pride precedes destruction. An arrogant spirit gives way to a nasty fall. Proverbs is telling us this morning, don't walk closely. In other words, don't allow those people into your inner circle. Don't walk closely with an arrogant, puffed-up person because that arrogance and that puffiness will eventually be something that will start seeping into your life. And let me just say this morning, if there's anything I don't need seeping into my life, and if there's anything that you don't need seeping into your life, We've talked about it the first two weeks. What is it? Pride. You don't need that seeping into your life. You don't need pride and you don't need arrogance. Think about it. That, that, that person who's always looking down on other people, that mean streak, that, that judgmental attitude, that arrogance that they have can actually turn on you one day. Or worse yet, that, that mean streak and that judgmental attitude could be something that actually rubs off on you. So the writer of Proverbs in Proverbs 16 verse 8 tells us to be careful of people who are consistently, constantly looking down on other people. That's the first person you need to be careful of. Don't let that person in your inner circle. The second person that you need to be careful of, the second type of person that you need to be careful of, is that person who doesn't value the truth. You need to be careful of people who don't value the truth. I would warn you this morning, those watching, those listening here in the auditorium, don't ever think, I'm going to go into business, don't ever team up closely with anyone who has a track record of lying. Don't ever get in bed with, in a relationship, while I'm talking about friendships, business relationships. Don't ever do business with people who have a track record of not telling the truth. Again, look at what the writer of Proverbs says in Proverbs 12, verse 22. The writer says, lying lips disgust the Lord, but those who act faithfully delight him. Let me warn you. Walk closely with somebody who is loose with the truth. Walk closely with somebody who's loose with faithfulness. 
And sooner or later, you're going to get hurt. Sooner or later, you're going to have your heart broken. Now, let me just tell you, you can take that to the bank. You can take that to the bank. You can go to the drive-thru tomorrow at First Freedom and tell them you heard that at church, and they will give you back, uh, they will make a deposit into your account. You can take it to the bank. If you team up with somebody who is loose with the truth and, uh, and faithfulness, sooner or later you're going to get your heart broken. Let me give you an example. When I used to do premarital counseling, every once in a while you'd have a young lady who was telling me her fiancé's story. Every now and then you'd have this, this, this girl who was so excited to get married and, and she would come in and she would start telling me her fiancé's story. And as she was telling his story, she would start covering up the story with excuses. Pastor Randy, he's really a good guy. I mean, he has a great heart. He's a good guy. We, we, you know, we, we've kind of had a rough time. We've had some rough patches. But things are going to be better once we're married. Anybody heard that before? I mean, things are going to be so much smoother once we officially get married. Pastor Randy, I, I, I'm just going to be honest with you. He's cheated on me a couple of times in the past year, and, and he lied about it. But look, I've got a ring. And everything's going to be better. I'm like, really? You really think things are going to be better? Here's the thing. I want to lay down a little truth for you in the room this morning and those watching and listening online. Let me just tell you this morning. If you're looking at marrying somebody, you need to marry somebody for who they are today, not who you think they are going to become tomorrow. That's just the truth of the matter. I mean, let's, let's just extract that. What about, what about the guy who, who develops a business plan that's right on the edge of being legal? Do you want to be in business with him? I mean, it's probably going to fall over once or twice, but, but maybe this is a guy that can pull it off. Do you want a guy like that on your personal development team? Or, or what about a woman who finds a way to, to, to take her corporate expense account and cover a good portion of her general living expenses? Is that somebody you want on your team? Let me, let me just ask you right now, is there somebody in your life right now that you would say is just a little bit slippery? Because the writer of Proverbs would say this. If there's a pattern of deceitfulness in somebody you know, if there is a pattern of deceitfulness, and if this person can devise and carry out anything shady while not being tormented by a guilty conscience to the point where the pattern would change, if they're not convicted of that, knowing that they're doing something wrong, here's what you need to do. Take a hike. Steer clear. Because you don't want to walk with somebody like that in your life. Let me tell you somebody else that you need to be careful of. You need to be careful of people who have no control over their mouth. 
Now think about that. If you're doing life right now with somebody who is quick to pass on damaging information about other people, quick to pass on damaging information about a third party, or if you're doing life with somebody who is unable to keep sensitive information confidential, then that's not the kind of person that you want to walk closely with throughout the rest of your life. Look at Proverbs eleven thirteen. A gossip can't keep anything confidential, but a reliable person protects a secret. You know, maybe it's because my life is a little bit public. Or maybe this morning it's because I've been burned so many times. But I'm going to tell you this morning, I can't open up at all anymore to somebody who I think lacks this virtue. In fact, when I'm around a person, what I would call a loose-tongued person, when I'm around somebody that I'm worried about whether or not that person can keep a confidence, if I'm out somewhere and we're having dinner or maybe I'm seeing them you know, in a social setting and I worry about whether that person can keep their mouth shut and, and, and I'm just, I don't trust whether they can keep their mouth shut, if I don't trust that they have the virtue of being able to keep a confidence, then you know what I do? I immediately shut down. Immediately. And I've got some friends that I walk through life with that are very close friends, and they immediately, they can see it. They, they, can, they can detect it because they know me so well. I mean, immediately, if I don't think you can keep a confidence, it's kind of like talk to the hand because the face don't understand. Talk to the knee, but don't talk to me. Because I don't trust you. I don't trust that you can keep a confidence. And you say, well, what, what's the importance of this? Part of the purpose, listen to me, part of the purpose of forging close relationships is so that I can come to you and bear my soul that you can develop friendships with other people and you can bear your soul to another person so that you can share secrets with that other person so that you can share even the darkest things that have been a part of your life. And let me tell you, when you share the darkest things that have been a part of your life, you have got to have the full assurance that nothing that you say will ever be inappropriately repeated. So Proverbs tells us, you need to be careful as it relates to people who can't control their mouth. Here's the fourth person I would be careful of. Here's the fourth person I would not let into my inner circle. Because Proverbs tells us that we need to be careful of people who encourage conflict. That's one more person to keep off your team. One more person to keep out of your inner circle. That person who is the person who spreads strife 
among the brothers. Look at Proverbs 16, verse 28. A perverse person spreads strife. Do you know anybody in your life right now who is one of those people who likes to stir the pot? Do you have anybody in your life right now who likes to stir the pot of conflict? Do you know anybody who, in, in, if you get a little relational conflict going, that person wants to make it a big deal, they want to blow it up? They get involved in a little relational conflict and they, they want to make somebody pay for it? There's a little relational conflict going on, and, and once it kind of comes to a head, they want, they, want, they want to make a big deal, and they want huge apologies to be issued. I mean, they really want to make a big deal out of a little relational conflict. Again, look at what, look at what Proverbs 16, 28 says. A perverse person spreads strife. Why, why would the writer in Proverbs use the word perverse? What's a perverse person? I'll tell you. You know why it calls that kind of person a perverse person? It calls that person a perverse person because anybody who has miraculously has been reconciled to God through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, anybody who has received the undeserved grace of God, if that has actually happened in their life, then you know what they should have inside of them? They should have what I call a reconciling spirit. If they've actually received what Jesus Christ did on the cross for them and they have received the amazing grace of God, they should have within them what I call a reconciling spirit. Which means if there's a little bit of a relationship problem, that the Spirit of God immediately says, don't make a big deal out of that. Am I right? The reconciling Spirit of God would say, let, let, let's not go there. Let's, let's not blow this up. Let's solve this. Let's, let's maybe overlook this offense. The reconciling Spirit of God would say to, to put it to rest, to get it behind us, so that there's as little damage done as could possibly be done. Does that make sense? Again, that, that's just four people that I would say that Proverbs tells us to be careful of. But now, now I want to go back to the verse, the original verse that we started all this on. And I want us to look at that because years ago, I'm going to go back to Andy Stanley. Years ago, I heard Andy Stanley actually teach on this verse. And I wouldn't even try to duplicate what he said because I couldn't give it justice. But look again at Proverbs 13, verse 20. It says, one who walks with the wise becomes wise, but whoever keeps company with fools only hurts himself. Let's leave that up there. Because I want you to look at that and not at me. I want you to look at that and listen to me. There's a promise that we find in Proverbs 13, verse 20. You want to know what the promise is? The promise is that wisdom is contagious. Don't you see that in those first few words? One who walks with the wise becomes wise. If you surround yourself with people who are wise, 
then you're going to become more wise. If you surround yourself with people who are wise, then you're going to become wiser. One who walks with the wise becomes wise. But whoever keeps company with fools, now look, look at the last part of that, whoever keeps company with fools only hurts, the word hurts is big, only hurts himself. Let, let, let me drop this right here. Look behind me. We need to understand wisdom. And to me, when I talk about wisdom, wisdom to me this morning in the context of what we're talking about is just this. It's understanding that everything in life is connected. That's wisdom. Wisdom is understanding that everything in life is connected. Again, there was, there was a day that I was trying to, to help somebody understand this concept. And, and the way I got them to understand that concept was uh, I, I took out what we used to call a super ball. Does anybody remember that? You'd bounce it and it'd go, I mean, it, it was, I don't know what it was made of. We didn't have a super ball, but I, I had this ball in my hand. It's more like a stress ball. And I'm not going to bounce it because I don't want it to come out, you know, out of torment. But I, but I took out the ball, and to make my point, I said to the person that I was trying to make the point to, I said, when I, when I throw this ball, does it just stop when it hits the floor? Does it just stop when it hits the wall? Does it just stop when it hits the ceiling? No, it doesn't stop. It bounces all over the room. Because it's called the bounce effect. Do this, and the ball will do that. That's wisdom. Wisdom is understanding. Listen, 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 listen. Wisdom is understanding that whatever you do today, whatever you decide today, whatever you take the time to think on today, that will influence your tomorrow. That's wisdom. Whatever you do, think about, focus on today is going to influence your tomorrow. I mean, think about it. There are no isolated events. There are no isolated thought patterns. There are no isolated relationships. See, the warning is this. Tim, can you put Proverbs 13, verse 20 back up there? The warning is not if you're a companion of fools that you're going to become a fool. That's not what the verse is saying. See, this is where most people in the church, most seasoned Christians, this is where most people get tripped up. Because we make the assumption that if I spend time with the wise and I will become wiser, if I spend time with the wise and wisdom is contagious, then that means that I'm, if, if I'm a companion of fools, that I'll become a fool. 
that's where we get tripped up. That's what we think. But that's not what this teaches. That's not what Solomon is saying at all. Again, I want you to understand, this is a very subtle thing that will help diffuse your defenses as it relates to this verse. The warning in this verse is this. The person that does life with a fool is a person who is eventually going to be impacted by the behavior of the fool. That means this. You may spend your entire life with a bunch of fools. And you know what? You may never see the world the way the fool sees the world. You may spend your entire life with a bunch of fools, and you may never behave the very same way that the fool behaves. But eventually the shrapnel from their life, the shrapnel from the explosion that happens in their life, the devastation that happens in the life of the fool is eventually going to impact you. Whether you adopt their way of thinking or not. And here's why this is important. Because some of you, some of us, many of us, we have defended unhealthy relationships that we have with other people. We have defended unhealthy relationships that we have with people in our lives, the fools that we are just doing life with. And we have defended those relationships in this way. We've said, but you know what? I'll never do what she does. I'll never do what he did. I'll never think the way that they think. I'll never participate in the things that they participate in. Therefore, we think we're safe. And even though we may not do what they do or participate in what they participate in, even though we think we're safe, Solomon says, whoa, 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 whoa. You're wrong. You're dead wrong. Because the companion of fools, whether they ever adopt the foolish mindset, whether they ever adopt the foolish lifestyle, the companion of fools will eventually be harmed by the outcome of the fool's behavior. Now, I know some of you have a question. Well, when you say a fool, what do you mean? What does the Bible mean when it talks about a fool? Well, the Bible says that a fool is a person who knows the difference between right and wrong but doesn't care. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says a fool is a person that knows the difference between right and wrong, but they don't care. I know the difference between right and wrong, but I don't care. That's a fool. Now, here's the deal I want to address now. Many of you are sitting there thinking, well, Randy, it doesn't sound very loving as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus. It doesn't sound loving and compassionate. 
Because aren't we supposed to have friends that are different from us? And my answer to that is absolutely. I mean, if you've been attending this church for any length of time, if you've been listening to us online or you've been watching us online, we're all about this. We want you to be friends with people that are different from you. We built this church for people who were far from God and trying to figure God out. That's what we're all about. So some of you watching right now on Facebook Live and some of you in this auditorium are, are thinking that I'm making you make a choice. You, you think that I'm pushing you against the wall or backing you into the corner and you've got them out and now make a choice between compassion and wisdom. Because to you, those things seem to be polar opposites. But here's what I would tell you this morning. Compassion and wisdom are not opposites. Now think about it this way. Compassion will never require you to make an unwise decision about yourself. Is that right, Leonard? Compassion will never require you to make an unwise decision about yourself. And when you use compassion or love as an excuse, you're lying to yourself. At best, you're misguided. So this morning, here's what I would say. If you've got some fools in your life, if you've got some people that don't know the difference between right and wrong, or they do know the difference between right and wrong, but they just don't care, then you know what the best thing for you to do is? If you've got some fools in your life right now that you're doing life with, you know what the best thing that you can do is? The best thing that you can do is to just love them. Be kind to them. Pray for them. Serve them. Point them to Jesus. But don't allow a fool, listen to what I'm saying, don't allow a fool to be part of your inner circle. And whatever you do, listen to me, don't marry one. Because here's where the rubber meets the road. When your friend who is a fool, your foolish friend, when that friend falls off the cliff, when they hit rock bottom, when your foolish friend realizes how empty they are, who are they going to call? Are they going to call their other foolish friends? Absolutely not. They're going to call you. They're going to walk into your office. They're going to walk into your dorm room. They're going to show up at your doorstep because they realize you were healthy enough to keep distance from them. They realize that you were smart enough to keep a little distance from them. So here's what I would advise you to do this morning. Don't confuse compassion and wisdom. There's no conflict between, between com compassion and wisdom. Listen to what I'm saying. Compassion and wisdom, they're hand in hand. And this morning, drawing back from a relationship 
You know what that may be? That may be the most compassionate thing that you could ever do starting tomorrow with the person in your life that you know is walking that foolish life, that foolish path. So the smartest thing you can do tomorrow is draw back from that relationship. Maybe you need to draw back from a group of friends because that may be the best act of friendship that you could ever express. Friendship. Friendship. Friends. I got to thinking. If I had to anchor the idea of spiritual friendships in a single verse, if I I could find an anchor for what I see spiritual friendships to really be like, it's actually found in the book of Genesis. And it's actually found in a story that we looked at a few weeks ago. It's the story of Esau and Jacob. And Esau and Jacob had been apart for a really long time. But I want you to look at what it says. This is where the brothers Jacob and Esau had been separated from each other for a long time. And when they were reunited, Jacob's face lights up when he sees Esau. And it says, for to see your face is like seeing the face of God. That's the kind of friend I want to be. That's the kind of friend I want to be. that kind of friend, that that kind of inner circle. That's the kind of inner circle that I want to develop. When I see those people, I want those people to light up. I I, I want to be with and I want to be around other people, people who will, will challenge each other every day. I want, to be, I want to be around people who will change me in profound ways. And just maybe along the way. Those people who are my friends, just by being who they are. That in just being who they are, they may teach me just a little more about who God really is. That's the friends I want. That's the inner circle that I want. And again, through the Proverbs, we're learning what kind of person we are supposed to become. But today we flip the script. And we went into the book of Proverbs. And we've allowed Proverbs to also teach us that as we're pursuing the person that God has created us to be and being the best we can in any relationship that there are people we need to be careful of and even though we need to be careful of those people we still love them we're still kind to them we still help them and we still point them to Jesus but whatever we do we don't let them in to our inner circle because we want all that God has for us. 
bow your heads and pray with me, please? God, we're so thankful for your word. The fact that it's alive and active like a double-edged sword. And it cuts deep, God. Allowing us, teaching us to be the people that you've called us to be. To be our best in relationships. Whether that's marriage or uh, romantic relationships or friendships or business. We want to be and do everything that you have called us to do. We want to be the face of friendship. That when people see us, their faces actually light up. We want to have those kind of friends that as they challenge us, as iron sharpens iron, that God, we will gain something from that friendship, from that relationship, so that we can do what needs to be done in the calling that you have for us. God, open our eyes, open our ears, soften our hearts, so that we may be the people that you've called us to be. As we ask this prayer this morning in Jesus' name, amen. Thousand tongues to lift one.
rejoice, cause you're there too.